Amen. Thank you, Brother Cox. We're glad to have the Cox family here on our staff at West Coast Baptist College. And I like to hear a man stand up and sing the Word of God and challenge us in song like that. And uh, I know that uh, Brother and Mrs. Cox are glad to be here in California. Sometimes we read on the news about Californians moving to Florida, uh, but he's a Floridian that moved to California. And uh, so those of you that have come east to west, you must have some spiritual grit in your craw. And uh, we're glad that you're here and thank the Lord for you. And uh, I loved uh, the, the congregational singing this morning, Dr. Getch. I thought everyone was singing so well. Uh, uh, Brother Malachi over here, he was singing maybe a little too loud in my ear, but we'll get you, we're going to have Brother Cox help you uh, in this semester. No, I'm just kidding, uh, kidding you there, Brother England. But uh, thank the Lord for good congregational singing. And one of the songs we were singing, I love the song, I love to tell the story. I love to tell the story. And I want you this fall to learn how to love to tell the story, not to be ashamed of the gospel, but to be involved. And I was thinking about this as we were singing, I love to tell the story. I've never heard of a CCM song about soul winning, not one time. I've heard of some CCM songs, but I've never heard of one about soul winning. And the reason is CCM churches, by and large, do not grow through soul winning. They, they grow through attraction, maybe, through events, through bands. But this church that you're sitting in was built and is being built by leading people to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ, by telling the story again and again and again and again so that people can be saved. And we want you to learn how to tell that story. And that's what this fall season is going to be about, and I'm very, very excited about what God's going to do. Now, the membership in the church, uh, we have for many years deferred to your home pastor on that. Um, you, sh you should learn how to uh, communicate with your home pastor, and uh, you can tell them, Brother Chapel's fine either way. If, if your home pastor wants you to retain a membership uh, where you're from, uh, we'll respect that. Um, but one, one thing we do want you to know is that when we have the Lord's table uh, from time to time, that is something that we reserve for the members of the church. So if you want to partake of the Lord's table, you'll need to join the church. Obviously, you can be involved in ministry and other things, but uh, we've, we've always here had uh, the idea from 1 Corinthians 1 that uh, the table is a local church ordinance, and especially as a pastor, when we have many visitors, I don't know if some of them are saved or if they're a member from another church. I don't know if they're at odds with someone in that church, if they're living in sin. I have no idea. So I don't want to usurp the authority of another pastor's congregation. That's why we practice it that way. And the reason I'm announcing that to you is because some of you young preachers need to start thinking about your Baptist polity and how you will handle certain things of that nature when you're in the ministry, that particular thing I'm speaking about, I probably wouldn't argue with you about down the road, but I want you to start thinking about it now. I think for us, it's been a helpful thing just, just to really emphasize as we're going to do this Sunday night to the church family, uh, as we partake of the Lord's table, uh, that this is something uh, for the body of believers to remember the Lord and to examine our own selves. So make a note of that. Now, I want you all to be prayed up and ready for the Spiritual Leadership Conference. This is only the second time in the history of the conference, which is now more than 30 years of Spiritual Leadership Conferences, 
This is only the second time we've ever done it where the student body could participate because it used to always be in July. And so I'm very excited for you. It was a highlight last year for our, our student body, just the preaching, the sessions. Uh, Dr. England will be helping you uh, in pre-assigned uh, uh, selection of what sessions you can go to. So be sure to follow his instruction on that. And then I want to ask all of you just to be thinking in terms of hosting. Now, when I, when I have an event like this, there are certain things that I do uh, to get ready. The first and foremost is prayer. Uh, and I'll spend some special time next week again just praying, praying for God's power on the conference and on my life and praying for the physical health of those coming in. So I want all of you uh, to, to sense, some of you preachers, as if it was your conference because you're going to help me host this conference. What are some things that we can all do? You can write some of these down if you like. Some of them are kind of common sense. But first of all, really pray, okay? That's one of the first things you need to do. Uh, and someday you might invite me to come and preach uh, a revival meeting or a missions conference or Dr. Getch. These, these same things ought to be happening. You need to pray and really seek the Lord in prayer. Secondly, uh, you need to prepare your schedule. Look ahead because your class schedule is going to be a bit different, all right? Uh, and, and get a hold of those, uh, those sessions that you're going to attend. There's 40 sessions, and they deal with a, a variety of topics, uh, everything from uh, uh, the, uh, uh, how to prepare a message or how to counsel somebody or, uh, you know, what, how do you deal with people having gender confusion, all kinds of very, very good topics. Uh, and and you'll, you'll be able to discuss that with Brother England. But once that gets assigned, then make sure you know where it's at. All right. So prepare your schedule and your classes will be different. And then let me say thirdly, uh, prepare your appearance. Prepare for your appearance physically. Now, what does that mean? That means that, that many of you young men ought to get a haircut next week. I always like to have a fresh haircut before a big event. I don't want to look shoddy, and I'm trying to teach you what leaders will respect. Those of you that have interview days, some of you that like to fluff it right here and kind of fluff it like that. Now, I'm not jealous just because I can't do it. I'm trying to help you because Dr. Baskin's sitting back there, and he can tell you uh, a few times when I was in Bible college, they had to tell me, you need to cut the fluff, Bob. Just cut it off right there. So uh, what I'm, what I'm telling you is next week would be the time just to trim it up. You don't want hair on the back of your neck standing all around. You want, it, you want to have a nice haircut. And I know that dry cleaning might be expensive, but if you have a suit that needs dry cleaning, I'd get that done next week. Uh, or get your slacks uh, pressed. Make sure your shoes are shined. Ladies, I don't really know what to tell you what to do. You all look great. Mrs. Weaver could tell you what to do. Uh, you're going you're gonna to do just fine. But I try to pray. I try to plan my schedule. And then I try to prepare. And, and I'm a little bit different about it, but I, I'll have four very, very busy days. So I'll outline what I'm going to wear Sunday morning, Sunday night, Monday morning, Monday night, Tuesday morning, Tuesday night, Wednesday morning, Wednesday night. And I'm going to have to make sure that I've got pressed shirts, that I've got a matching tie for the sport coat or the suit. I don't want to have to be thinking about that Tuesday morning. I want to know where I'm going with those kinds of things, all right? My car will be washed and gassed, and it will be ready so that if some preacher needs my car, I don't have to worry if there's McDonald's in it. These are little things. One of our graduates picked me up in uh, uh, Nebraska last year. And his car was a wreck. It was a wreck. I didn't want to get in it. 
It was dirty. It had not been washed. It had trash in it. And he was the sweetest guy in the world. And uh, when we got to the church, I do not offer counsel unless someone asks me. So, but he did. He said, Brother Chapel, is there anything that you could tell me that you think maybe I could do a little different? I said, I'm so glad you asked. <laughs> I said, you need to wash this car. In fact, just as soon as you get enough money, you need to get rid of this jalopy. Just get rid of it. But while this is what you have, I want you to get this thing washed and don't ever pick me or any other preacher up again with this much trash all in the car, all right? So uh, these are just little things to get ready for a meeting. And I want all of you to think that way. Those of you that are in music, you've got practices. That all of you are hosting. And uh, here, here we have folks coming in from all over the country and from many, many foreign countries. And I want every one of you to practice not walking by uh, not walking by a preacher or, uh, or a guest lady without asking if they need directions or help. Those of you that are wearing beards, keep them trimmed to the college standard. Some, some uh, preachers, uh, they're not used to seeing young people wearing a beard like that, and we're allowing you to do that, but I want it to be very, very well kept, all right? So those are some little things, but most of all, just prayer, and let's be ready for a great, great week as these folks come in. It's a privilege to host them. And, of course, there will be many, many thousands watching every service online, and we're excited about all of it. Take your Bible, if you would, please turn to the book of Joshua, chapter 3. Joshua, chapter 3. Let's stand together, and uh, we're going to take some time this morning uh, here in God's Word from Joshua, chapter 3. I want to speak to you about pursuing God's will, pursuing God's will. You know, a lot of people talk about finding God's will. And the fact of the matter is, much of God's will is already revealed. It is God's will for every man to be saved. It is God's will for every man to avoid uh, fornication and to pursue holiness. This is the will of God for your life. It's God's will that you'd be a soul winner, that you'd obey Him and the Great Commission. A lot of times people are seeking God's will when it's already revealed. And what I want to speak to you about today is pursuing God's will. And we're going to learn how to do that from the life of Joshua. Joshua 3. And Joshua rose early in the morning, and they removed from Shittim and came to Jordan, he and all the children of Israel, and lodged there before they passed over. And it came to pass after three days that the officers went through the host, and they commanded the people, saying, When you see the ark of the covenant of the Lord your God, and the priests, the Levites, bearing it, then ye shall remove from your place and go after it. And there shall be a space between you and it, about 2,000 cubits by measure, Come not near unto it, that ye may know the way by which ye must go. For ye have not passed this way heretofore. And Joshua said unto the people, Sanctify yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. Let's read that verse together. Verse 5. Ready, begin. And Joshua said unto the people, How many of you would like to see the Lord do wonders at the Spiritual Leadership Conference? I'm, I'm saying calling many people into the ministry, just reviving pastors that would revive churches, that would revive cities. We're going to learn that that doesn't happen accidentally. And even crossing into the, into the promised land wasn't going to happen accidentally. How do you pursue God's will? Let's pray together about that. Father, Help us to learn how to passionately pursue you and your will for our lives. Bless our time here together. In Jesus' name I pray, 
Amen. You may be seated. When Israel was set free from Egypt, they journeyed to the very border of the Promised Land around 1445 B.C. As they journeyed to the Promised Land, we know that Moses had sent the 12 spies in, and Joshua and Caleb gave the good reports, and the other 10 spies gave the negative reports, and due to a lapse of faith, they did not enter into the Promised Land. Moses, before his death, had spent much time with Joshua, and uh, we know that 40 years later, uh, after the time of journeying and after the time of Moses' death, that it was revealed that Joshua, by the will of God, would be the leader over the children of Israel. Joshua perhaps never would have suspected that when he was your age, just like you do not suspect that God may use you to pastor a church larger than this or to reach 100,000 people on a foreign mission field. But I'm here to tell you, the Lord works in mysterious ways, and suddenly Joshua was in this situation where God was choosing him for a very specific purpose. We see in the Word of God, chapter 3 and verse number 1, after Joshua has now been chosen, that he arises early in the morning and he removes from Shittim and he comes to the Jordan, he and all the children of Israel, and lodged there before they passed over. I see here, after having been selected as the leader of the children of Israel, the time has come for Joshua to pursue God's will for their lives. The truth is, they had never really taken advantage of more than about 10% of the promises that God had given to them. They had never really had the opportunity to, to fulfill all of the promises, and now they would take their very first steps. And so I want you to notice, first of all, the pursuit of God's plan. The pursuit of God's plan. The Bible tells us, I think, something significant in verse number one. For all of us this morning to remember, it says, Joshua rose early in the morning. I want you to notice that Joshua had a great anticipation. He rose early in the morning. He did not know how the victory would come, but he believed God for the victory. He rose early with a spirit of anticipation. I want to encourage you to begin every day with that spirit. I want to encourage you to begin this college year with that spirit. I want to encourage you as you get out in soul winning on Saturday to get up early and expecting God to do something with your life. Joshua was ready. Joshua was ready for God to do something great with his life. 1 John 5 and 4, for whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world. And this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. Romans 10, 17, so then faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Joshua had heard the word of the Lord regarding his will for the children of Israel. And so he rose up early in the morning. Now in the Christian life, you're either an overcomer or you are overcome. You're either a victor or a victim. And there's a lot of people that like to live their life as a victim. It's a, it's a way for them and sort of an inverted kind of a proud life to get attention for themselves by living the victimized life. But I want to tell you it's much better to live the victorious life. 
It's much better to realize that there is victory in following the path of faith. And Joshua knew this victory. I remember back in 1986 coming to this town and having no paycheck, having a very small congregation, having no staff, having no sound system. Just really knowing the gospel was the answer for Lancaster and the gospel was the answer for this area going out, knocking on doors. I'm going to tell you something. I was the first one at the church for soul winning. That first Saturday morning, just one guy came to meet me. I thought some others might come, but just one came. But I'll tell you what, I was there early. I had a coffee pot going. I had the tracks laid out. I had a map up on the wall. I knew what streets we were going to go knocking on. Listen, I rose early. I was ready to get out and tell people about the Lord Jesus Christ. And every church in America needs a young uh, young man like you and a young lady like you that's going to say, I believe God can do something great in my lifetime. And this was the spirit, though Joshua was not a young man, it was the spirit that he had toward the will of God. He anticipated God was going to do something great. I see Joshua's anticipation, but then I see Joshua's action. The Bible says in verse number one, they removed from Shittim and came to Jordan. I want you to understand here this simple word again, the word removed, removed. You'll never get something great accomplished for God unless you're willing to move from your place of comfort and get into a place of discomfort. You'll never get something great done for God if it's Thursday night soul winning and you're on the couch or Saturday morning a good time to go visiting and you're on the computer just surfing the web. Listen, you're going to have to learn to remove yourself from what you could be doing to get out and do what God wants you to do. He's pursuing the will of God. You must leave the place of comfort, the place of complacency, the place of callousness, and you must do what God would have you to do. I remember driving that rider truck down from Northern California, coming here to uh, Lancaster, and, and I remember coming and painting the buildings and getting out soul winning and, and leaving a place of comfort to come to a place where God was going to bless in a great way. You must be willing to pursue it, whatever it is that God has for you. You say, well, what I want, I want to be an assistant pastor or a missionary, and all of those things will come. But whatever you've been given just now for a ministry assignment, get up and pursue it with all of your heart. Unbelief says, let's go back where it's safe. Faith says, let's go to where God is working, and let's be a part of that work. The Bible says in Numbers chapter 14, and all the congregation lifted up their voice and cried, and the people wept at night, and all the children of Israel murmured against Moses and against Aaron, and the whole congregation, would God that we had died in the land of Egypt, they said. You know, that's the attitude of the average person. We ought to just stay in Egypt. It was more comfortable in Egypt. We had food in Egypt, but thank God for men like Joshua and Caleb they, they were men who looked out to the horizon and they said, you know what? God wants us to have that promised land. And they were willing to remove from their place, whether it be Egypt or whether it be Shittim, and they were willing to go where God would have them to go. And notice also what they did there in verse 1. The Bible says, they lodged there before they passed over. They lodged there at the Jordan. I find here Joshua is identifying with and, and displaying faith by identifying with the place that God had sent him to. He lodged there. He went to the place where God had him. I think of people today that, that have a calling of God. And Dr. Baskin last night was speaking about North Korea. There are people today in South Korea 
uh, learning the language, learning the culture. Their goal is to get the gospel to North Korea. They believe that's what God has for their life. They're lodged right at the border. They're readying themselves for what they believe God would have them to do. I think of one of our graduates right now today. His calling, his burden is for Iraq, but he couldn't get to Iraq. So he's in Armenia and he's lodged there and he's witnessing to Iraqi people at the border. Why? Because he wanted to get to where God had called him, get as close as he could and be ready uh, for the work of the Lord. I think of Philip in Acts chapter 8. The Bible says, Then the Spirit said unto Philip, Go near and join thyself to his chariot. Go near, Philip. You see, God wants you to get near. He wants you to get close to the place of service. That's why being in a Bible college that is surrounded by a local church ministry gives you the opportunity to be near to the working of God in soul winning or bus ministry or choir ministry or conferences or missions conferences. It is good to be near the work of God and involved in the work of God. And so we see Joshua pursuing God's plan. He got up early in the morning. He went to the Jordan River. He he was ready so that the minute God said go, he was ready to go. That's why you're in Bible college. So that the minute God opens the door, you'll be ready to go to the place of service. We see the pursuit of God's plan. But notice, secondly, the pattern for God's people. There is a pattern for God's people. Now, all of us wanting to find God's will can learn from this pattern. Notice in verse 3. And there shall be a space, excuse me, verse 3, and they commanded the people saying, when you see the ark of the covenant of the Lord your God and the priests, the Levites bearing it, then shall, then ye shall remove from your place and go after it. Now here is a man, Joshua, who had removed from his place to go identify with the Jordan. Now he's going to tell the people to be ready to leave their place in order to follow him, in order to get across into the promised land. God is looking for leaders who will leave their place of comfort in order that they might be able to have followers who will leave their place of comfort. That's why every one of you young men ought to learn what it means to tithe and to give to missions because someday as you get involved in leadership, it's going to be important that you lead by example. That's why you need to be faithful in soul winning now because no church is going to go soul winning if the pastor's not going soul winning. People do what people see. And Joshua was leading the way and now he's giving a pattern and he gives them a commandment. The first commandment here is a command to focus. And the Bible says in verse number three, when ye see the ark of the covenant. He says to the people, I want you to focus on the ark of the covenant. Because this is going to be how you will know God's will for your life. The ark is referred to 16 times in Joshua chapter 3 and Joshua chapter 4. It is the place where the glory of God rested in the tabernacle. It always led the children of Israel whenever they traveled. And you know that it is a type of the Lord Jesus Christ. And for us, the application is clear. You will never know the will of God unless you are fully focused on the Lord Jesus Christ himself. Not focused on your girlfriend, your mother-in-law, the state you came from, where you want to be, what you think is God's will, but focusing on the one who left it all to die on an old rugged cross for your sin. And that is why 
if you focus on the cross. God may call you to Seattle, to Los Angeles, to Manila, to Beijing. If you focus on the cross, if you focus on yourself, you'll always look for the place of comfort. Here we see the command was to focus on uh, the ark. And you can study sometime later how the ark uh, typifies the Lord Jesus Christ. We'll not take the time this morning to go into all of the, all of the wood and, and the, the gold that budded and, and the law that was kept inside of the ark, all of this typifying the Lord Jesus Christ himself. But the fact is that we see before us in this text a man, Joshua, and now a people following the ark of the covenant, following Christ into the promised land. It was a command to focus. You will never find the will of God if you are not focused on the Lord Jesus Christ. There was secondly a command to follow. A command to follow. Verse 4, the Bible says, Yet there shall be a space between you and it, about 2,000 cubits by measure. Come not near to it, that ye may know the way by which ye must go, for ye have not passed this way heretofore. Now the Ark of the Covenant was going to go about a mile ahead of the children of Israel. Hundreds of thousands of them would follow. And so a mile's distance would give them an opportunity to see the Ark in the, in the distance. And they were able to see the Ark of the Covenant as they followed it into the promised land. I remember being at Mount Nebo a few years ago on the, Jord on the Jordan side of the Jordanian River. I remember looking down across that Jordan Valley and seeing the city of Jericho. And I remember thinking to myself what it must have been like for the children of Israel there in the land of the Moabites and suddenly now God is going to release them to cross the Jordan River. They're going to go across that place called Gilgal and establish the monument of stone, something that for generations they would be able to remember what God had done. And he's going to use a man, Joshua, who knew the will of God for his life, who was willing to get up early and be excited about serving God. And so then the people would follow him as he followed Christ. And this is the same pattern that we need in the local New Testament churches today. Men of faith, men getting up early, men anticipating the work of God, men willing to lead out of the comfort zone into the place of faith so that people can follow him as he follows Christ. And verse 4 is a command to follow. They're to follow the Ark of the Covenant, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, uh, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. We see the pursuit of God's plan. Young people, never lose sight of it. Stay faithful, seeking and pursuing the plan of God for your life. Sometimes your second year might seem like it's going along too slow. Your third year may be a little faster but still slow. And suddenly you'll graduate. Let me encourage you, finish it all. Pursue it daily as the will of God for your life. Pursue God's plan. We see the pursuit. We see the pattern. What is the pattern? The pattern is Jesus Christ. To focus on Him and follow Him every step of the way. But notice not only the pursuit of God's plan and the pattern for God's people, the ark, to follow the ark, but then notice finally this morning the preparation for God's blessing. Now we see these folks pursuing the plan of God. We see the pattern of, of the ark that they were to follow, a pattern of Jesus Christ. But notice now what they must do to prepare for this journey across the Jordan River. Verse 5, And Joshua said unto the people, Sanctify yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. 
Now, sanctify is a word that you do not hear much in the contemporary church as well. Sanctification, the sanctified life, the holy life. Dr. Bobby Robertson often said that God doesn't need you to shine the light. He needs you to keep the bulb clean. He's the light. But we are to have a life that can reflect that light. We are to be the vessels that are meat for the master's use. Sanctification. Now, some would argue that at the moment of your salvation, you are sanctified, set apart by the Holy Spirit of God. You belong to Jesus Christ by the regenerating work of the Holy Spirit. And that is absolutely true and wonderfully so. There is an instantaneous sanctification at salvation and there is a progressive sanctification as you grow into the likeness of Jesus Christ. This is what Paul meant as the Holy Spirit gave to us the words, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. God wants us to work out or to live out uh, what Christ has worked in by his Holy Spirit. The word sanctify here is speaking of preparing themselves spiritually in the sense of prayer, in the sense of repentance, in the sense of fleeing sin, and making sure that they, in general terms, were right with God before this journey began. Sanctify yourselves. Prepare yourselves. Make sure that you are ready for the journey. You know, a lot of times there are people that never make it through Bible college. They never make it in the ministry. It's not the fault of the college. It's not the fault of the church. They went to pastor. It is the fact that they were not sanctified people. They were not ready for the journey. They brought baggage with them. Some of you may still have baggage this morning. I don't know what it might be. It might be on your telephone. It might be on your computer. It might be some relationship back home. I don't know what it is, but if you don't sanctify yourself, you'll never cross the Jordan. You'll never get into ministry. You'll never serve God if you think you can carry all that sin with you all the way. The Bible says, let us lay aside the sin and the weights that do so easily beset us and let us run the race that is set before us. This is what Joshua was saying. Sanctify yourself. Get ready. That's what I meant a moment ago when I said pray. You know, as I pray for the Spiritual Leadership Conference, as the Lord speaks to my heart about any known sin or issues or uh, wrong thoughts towards others or any whatever it might be, I'll tell you what, I know, I know that I'm desperate for the anointing of God and I want to quickly repent of whatever it is the Lord would lay on my heart. I don't want to grieve the Holy Spirit in a time like this. My wife says to me, because the Bible is very clear that in, in the book of 1 Peter, if a husband and wife are not right before the Lord, the Bible says that if a husband's not right towards his wife, his prayers can be hindered. How many of you have ever seen that verse in the Bible? His prayers can be hindered. And uh, a lot of times on starting on Friday and Saturday, I'm apparently especially nice to Mrs. Chapel. And I'll say, honey, how are you doing? Everything going good? We're doing good, right? Everything's going good? And she'll say to me, you always get so friendly just before Sunday because you want God to answer your prayer for the service, don't you? And she's partly right. I, I don't want anything to hinder or quench the prayers. So we must sanctify ourselves before the conference. Sanctify yourself before the Lord's day. Sanctify yourself 
every day. Seek the Lord. If we confess our sin, He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Oh, the Bible says in 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 15, but as He which hath called you is holy, so be ye holy in all manner of conversation. How do you prepare yourself in sanctification? A couple quick thoughts. First, you prepare through cleansing. You prepare through cleansing. Exodus 19, 22, and let the priests also which come near to the Lord sanctify themselves, lest the Lord break forth upon them. The priest had various rituals of cleansing, both inner and outer cleansing, cleansing of themselves before they offered sacrifices unto the Lord. But in Ephesians 5.26 we read that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of the water by the word. We cleanse ourselves through the Word of God. God's Word speaks to us, and, uh, and the wrong is made right, and our spirit is corrected by the Word of God. Hebrews 10, 22. Let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Through prayer, through the Word of God, we can prepare ourselves. We can be sanctified for the blessing of God. Charles Spurgeon said, if you think you can walk in holiness without keeping up perpetual fellowship with Christ, you have made a great mistake. If you would be holy, you must live closely to Jesus. Take time with the Lord. An old song that we used to sing, take time to be holy. The world rushes on. Spend much time with Jesus alone. We must prepare through cleansing. Secondly, we must prepare through faith. Now notice this, verse 5. And Joshua said unto the people, Sanctify yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. Now how did Joshua say that? How did he know that? By the way, how many of you find those words inspiring? I find those inspiring. I mean, when a leader says, tomorrow God's going to show up here and some great things are going to happen, you know, that gets me excited. I'm like, man, I want to be a part of that. I want to see what God is doing. How did Joshua know that? He only knew it one way. The same way that you believe God will let you start churches in Japan or China or Korea or the Philippines. The only way that we're going to see another church started in Los Angeles. There's only one way. And that is the way of faith. And that's what Joshua was expressing. Tomorrow, the Lord will do wonders among us. How many of you want to see God do something great tomorrow in your life? Amen? Amen. Then you've got to begin with faith. And Joshua was expressing faith. George Mueller was a great man of faith. I've been to his study there in Bristol, England. I've seen the remnants of the orphanages that he built. At one time, George Mueller housed over 10,000 orphans. Many of their parents had died during the bubonic plague. George Mueller opened these orphanages, never, never having had experience with that. A great man of prayer, he would seek the Lord in prayer, and God began to provide financially for the building of the orphanages, for the feeding of the children, leading them to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. Mueller said, faith does not operate in the realm of the possible. There is no glory for God in that which is humanly possible. Faith begins where man's power ends. Some of you say, 
Pastor Chapel, I'm running out of money in my bank account. I, Pastor Chapel, I'm having trouble in this area, that area. I understand that. And sometimes I wish I could rescue you from every one of these challenges. But at some point in time, you're going to have to learn to trust God for that $700 payment. You're going to have to learn what it is to see God provide in your life. And it's got to be by faith. And one day you'll be leading people in greater and greater ways as you learn to trust Him today by faith. Prepare through cleansing. Prepare through faith. By faith, we came to Lancaster. By faith, we started a bus ministry. By faith, we started a Christian school. By faith, we started West Coast Baptist College. By faith, we built this auditorium. By faith, we built the Walther Center. By faith, we built the West Wing and the Kid City Building. By faith, we support 220 missionaries. It's all been by faith, for without faith, it is impossible to please God. What does God want you to do as you trust Him? Joshua said, tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. I wonder tonight, do you want to see God work in your life? Do you want to know and pursue his will? Let me challenge you today. Pursue God. Get down to the river. Get close to him. Get ready. Pursue the Lord. Follow the pattern, Jesus Christ. And then prepare yourself through sanctification and cleansing and say, Lord, when you're ready and you believe I'm ready, I want you to use my life in a great way for your will.